Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited today for our podcast. Um, I've got Ken, Suzanne, and Ralph Clayson with me. Um, both are outstanding IP lawyers in their own right, and uh, they're joining me. And guess what? They've got the IP Fridays podcast, which is really highly regarded in the entire IP field. Uh, and everybody's always excited to wait for the next release of it. Um, I just thought I would ask these gentlemen some questions um, about it and sort of their entrepreneurial bent um, as they went through the exercise. Now, with Ken Suzanne, he works at the law firm Barnes and Thornburg. He himself has uh, in the IP field a number of specialties, including copyrights and trademarks and social media, as well as in drone law. Um, those are just some of his focuses. And with respect to Ralph Clayson, he actually has a PhD in chemistry. Uh, he worked in industry in the nanotech uh, field for some time before entering into the IP field. Now his work is predominantly in the trademark and patent prosecution, and he does IP litigation as well. Both are outstanding IP lawyers in their own right. And I just thought that it would be a lot of fun to uh, ask them about their IP Fridays podcast. So with that, hello, Ken, and hello, Ralph. Hello, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. <laughs> Great to see you guys. So I just wanted to ask you real quickly, uh, how in the world did you guys think to do a podcast, especially when, how many years ago, first of all, did you start the IB Fridays podcast? I'll let Ralph take that because it was his <laughs> initial idea. Okay, uh, I think the first uh, episode aired on 1st of May 2014. Wow. That was uh, just before the INTA meeting in Hong Kong. Um, but we had the idea a while before that, I think in the end of 2013 or Ken, when was that? I don't know. I remember, exactly. I think in Dallas, you had approached me. Ah, yes. Yes. A uh, year before that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you were guys, doing... Did you guys know each other beforehand? Yes, we have known each other for a long time. We were both working on a common client when I was based in Buffalo, New York. So Ralph and I uh, have been working together for over a decade. Yes. <laughs> wow, tremendous. So on or about, uh, you said uh, December 2014, you decided to go ahead and do the podcast, but you've been talking about it beforehand? Uh, no, we uh, the first uh, INTA meeting where we talked about it was uh, San Diego, which, uh, no, uh, Dallas, Dallas, which was yeah. 13. And then in Hong Kong, uh, when during the INTA meeting, we launched our first episode. And actually at the INTA meeting in Hong Kong, we uh, recorded a couple of our first episodes with guests uh, at the location there. <laughs> and you can sort of see the evolution over time, over the years. We've had a lot of interesting guests and it's been a great, great opportunity for both of us to work together collaboratively. Yes, definitely. And, you know, everybody in the IP field uh, knows about it and they look forward to the next uh, broadcast because there's just such great information that comes out. And it and it's very hard, honestly, I think, for for people outside of the field to get, you know, good inside information, especially, you know, on, in, on a deep level. Yes. And because of confidentialities and everything else, it, it keeps a lot of lawyers from doing that. I'm just I'm fascinated that you thought to do it, because, first of all, I, I think podcasts, I read somewhere there's about 850,000 podcasts. That's probably just Whoa. in the U.S. That's a huge number. Yes. But when you were doing it, you know, podcasts were fairly new. I know they've been around a long time, but just the idea of doing one and then to doing the reach out. 
I'm just wondering what sparked that interest in doing it. I mean, Ken, I know that you've got a background in journalism before That's right. IP well, and for myself, really big in social media. So. Yeah, it really worked together. I mean, myself, when I was in college at the University of Rochester, I was news director and also on-air talent uh, for about five hours a week. And um, that was something that was a, a thing that I always loved to do. So when Rolf talked to me and said, would you like to do a podcast? I said, that sounds great. I would love to. <laughs> and because I, I loved my time uh, being on the radio in Rochester, New York on WRUR 88.5 FM. Well, outstanding. Well, that's kudos to them, right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> you got that's a good right. shout out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it sounds it sounds like um, you knew about that background, Rolf, and you and you wanted to get this podcast going. Did you? Did you, Rolf? Did you think that uh, that this would become um, just as successful as as it is? I mean, did you, or did you just think it would be a very small audience? Uh, well, first I thought it would be more a small audience. I had started a small German trademarks podcast in German language. Oh, you done one that, already? It was, uh, yeah, and it was quite small and Mark and Pod. not so many downloads. Mark and Pod, Mark and meets trademarks and mm -hmm. Pod is podcast. So um, I didn't think it would become that big, uh, but yeah, both Ken and me have some social media following, and that helped. Uh, Definitely a little bit to spread the word. And then people liked the show and liked the podcast and talked about it. So that might have helped a lot. <laughs> I think that's an important point. Having those social media followers really helps to get the word out. And as the months and years go by, those numbers just continue to climb. It's part yeah. of, 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 of doing this type of thing. Um, but you also have to be uh, proactive and to promote it. And we try to do that on LinkedIn um, Facebook and other platforms as well. Yeah. And I think you're kind of being modest about it too. Cause I, th I think there's a lot of people who would just, they would kill to get, you know, your following and your success. Uh, I know you've been doing it for a while. I'm, I'm kind of curious, first of all, well, let me make a point. Um, the point I would make is that it's a little bit different than it was about six years ago or, or, you know, 10 years ago, certainly even just a few years ago. And that um, it's getting to be where if you're not out there on social media and making connections, it's actually hard to sort of make a name for yourself and develop your business. I see a lot of people, no matter what their profession is, who, especially if they're a, a little bit, you know, approaching retirement, you know, past 50, et cetera, that are having more challenges in this new environment than there have been in the past. It used to be everything was referrals. Now um, it looks like, you know, sure, referrals are incredibly important for lawyers, but what's also important is having your name out and um, being on social media where people feel like they have access to you, they see you, they hear you, you're, you know, you're real to them from a social media perspective that I don't, you know, I just don't remember anything like it. Would you right. agree I with mean that? <laughs> I mean, you, you can just uh, say that uh, social media is kind of the old referral system on drugs, basically, <laughs> because right. uh, if you are always on top of mind with so many people in your social media following and any of their friends needs advice in trademarks or patents, then you are the guy who they know and they recommend you. So 
Yeah, I would yeah. agree with Rolf. It's certainly social media continues to grow every day. And um, it's, I think it's vitally important to be active, whether you're doing a podcast or just postings, blogs, that type of thing. I think clients look to the social media channels to find a bit about their lawyers before they hire them. I think it's very important. Yes, it used to be, Ken, it used to be just a, uh, if they could Google you and find your bio, and now it seems like people want to see you in action and they want to see some videos of you and maybe That's know right. more about you. That's right. And it certainly gives you a chance to talk about what you know and to um, you know delve into certain topics, which we love to do. With IP Fridays, we really cover all sorts of things, not only in the trademark and copyright, but also in patents. And Rolf uses his expertise in that area as well. Well, let me ask you this: when when it comes to um, booking people for your show, uh, and I'll you know full disclosure, I was very honored to be on IP Fridays on one yes. episode. Thank you with with Ken. Um, <laughs> and I just uh, when it comes to booking people for your show, what goes into the decision making process for you, Ken? Well, we look to the types of information that the person can provide, um, a little bit about their background, how useful the information would be. But we have a, a relatively relaxed policy. We really like to talk to a lot of different people. Um, so we look to, um, you know, basically how much can they contribute to the program and what would be the uh, what would be the appeal to people throughout the world? Because we're not just here in the U.S., we're in Germany, we're around the world and people listen to it. 24-7. So we, we're sensitive to issues really around the world and um, and look to that when we're making a decision. And yeah, we do well, get a lot of while, people while, contacting yeah. us as well, which is nice. And while most people are from the U.S. listening to the show, about, I would say, maybe like 60%, a large percentage is also coming from Germany, from the U.K., from India, from many other countries. And as Ken already said, we have a very diverse uh, um, spectrum of guests. We have uh, book authors that basically have no IP, real IP background or some IP background. Then we have uh, judges from federal courts. Then we have uh, experienced IP lawyers. Then we have uh, database providers. Then we have, you know, all different kinds of people and a number of in-house counsel have also appeared on our right, program right and i know that yeah. many in-house counsel do follow the program as well and it's nice to have that connection right that's tremendous mm -hmm. let me um quick question for you ralph do you think for people in europe let's just say europe is one of the international areas and you yourself are in germany do you think they're looking for um the listenership is looking for anything different than in the u.s or is it about the same um, well, I think the listeners always care more about the things that are in their their field of business or their territory. Mm -hmm. So listeners from the US would probably appreciate more comments about uh, recent case law in the US or recent cases in the US and people from Germany more about cases from Europe or from Germany. But I think um, our shows or the interviews are very different every time. Some are from Europe, some are from, we even had people from Japan on the show or mm. yeah, a lot, most of the guests are from the US, I would say. Um, so we try to look at how many people are listening from the different countries and then we try to decide where to pick the guests from. So <laughs> I, I, I would say so, like intuitively. 
And the camera and the beauty of the setup is that person could be anywhere in the world and we can talk to them. We use Skype to phone to record. And, you know, as long as we're on the same wavelength in the sense of, you know, it may be late at night here, but early in the morning somewhere else, we can make it work. And that's, that's wonderful to be able to connect with so many people and to share that conversation uh, with many, with countless people um, on demand, which I think is marvelous. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really curious how you were able to get such a, such a broad following. I know you touched on this a little bit in terms of social media, um, and you have a lot of contacts that you've built up over the years. Did you, um, gentlemen, remember, this is an entrepreneurial podcast, our podcast yes. here. And um, I like to dwell into areas about how people had their success, what, you know, what was the spark of interest that they had that they can think of it. Because a lot of times I've even dealt with a lot of entrepreneurs, regardless of the area, they were the maybe the first to think of the idea. They were the they were the first to or what were some of the first to actually you know put the the muscle and emotion behind it. I mean, both of you are very successful in your own regular jobs, you know, as IP lawyers, um, and this was an extra thing that you added, and that that takes a drive to do that. I'm wondering. It, in terms of, well, let's just start with how you spread your message. Did you spend any advertising dollars um, on that or was it all word of mouth? Ralph, do you want to take that? Yeah, all organic. All, yeah. all organic. All organic. 100% all. organic. We haven't spent any money on advertising. No. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that really, really speaks to the, to the power of social media, which I've been a a part of for many, many years. I remember when Twitter first came out, I was, I was intrigued by it and I joined it and I've yeah. been on it for, for, as Rolf uh, for a very long time. And actually for me, it goes back to way back to the, my days of being a young student at the University of Rochester, which I mentioned, and just being enamored by the internet. It was 1989 when I uh, first was a freshman in college. And I was just enthralled to be on, on the internet and to learn about Usenet news groups and IRC, <laughs> internet relay chat, you know, really, that may be dating me, but, you know, that's what it was. It was communicating with people around the world. And, and now here we are in 2020 and uh, things have really advanced and that's wonderful to, to communicate and for people to have the power to communicate with each other and not to be beholden to, you know, mainstream media to get the word out. I think that's, that's a great thing to have and a powerful thing to have and really needs to be protected, I think. So, so Ken, what do you see as, uh, you mentioned mainstream media, what do you see as the, um, the drawbacks of mainstream media versus the ability to do a podcast and get the, the word out that way? Would- well, I think it's just in the sense of the gatekeeper function. It may be hard for you to get your message out. It may be hard to get that niche audience to, or to, to interest a particular news organization to have you on their program. And here you just do it. You know, you just do the, what you want to do. You know, you just do the thing you want to do. You work with people. And you uh, you have the power to spread that message without having to go through a lot of uh, red tape, let's say, you know. That makes a lot uh, of sense. And, and I think it's wonderful, you know. It, it does make a lot of sense. I'm, I'm wondering if you do a deep dive, Ken, which is what you're doing on your podcast, you know, it's a lot of time with one guest about a particular subject that they may be interested in. You think that it will have worldwide appeal from what I understand that you're saying. 
Yes. Um, you think that, do you believe that that deep dive would be very difficult to get in other avenues of media, like wh whether it's mainstream or anything else? It might be, yes, because they're looking for, you know, an appeal to the, all of their um, listeners and, and viewers. And this may be too technical of a topic. So this gives us a chance to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And then those who want to listen, do so. And they can do so at any time. That's the beauty of it also. They yeah. can listen to it at three o'clock in the morning, their time. They can listen to it on their way to work, on the way home from work. I know numerous people have told me out in California uh, that they love to listen to it, you know, during their commutes, assuming that we're not in the, in the COVID situation. But, you know, um, from what I understand, you know, for many years, uh, the commutes have been very long and people love to listen to podcasts. Yeah, you know, that's true. I, I mean, it's a great thing. The podcast, it is true that the benefit of the podcast is is the kind of on-demand type of nature to it, that you can turn it on and off when you want. So you can put it into your work schedule. You know, you might be, you know, take a break from work and listen to it a little bit and listen to more of it later, which you right. certainly cannot do with social, with regular media, right? Right. Unless you're watching things on, let's say, on YouTube and you press pause and that type of thing. And, and I know a number of organizations, for example, NBC, um, they've got their news uh, programs on YouTube and you can watch them at night, which I like to do from time to time. Right. But you won't be able to do that deep dive um, right. that you would in that particular specific area. Now, That's true. So I, I wonder, Rolf, um, I know that, you know, you've got all kinds of expertise in social media and, and, uh, uh, and, and don't deny it. <laughs> so so I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about how the message gets spread for such a specific audience. You know, how, what do you think about that, um, about the, spreading the message? Right. I think um, the different channels uh, work very differently. For example, a podcast is typically listened to during the commute or when you wake up or when you go to sleep or during lawn mowing or whatever <laughs> and or workout fitness or something and you listen to it over half an hour and you don't press pause after 10 seconds or you don't switch to another program. Usually not. Um, with YouTube videos, if you don't like the video, you just switch to the next video after 10 seconds or so. That's diff very different to, to podcasts. Um, and the typical social media posts on LinkedIn or Twitter really work different to both uh, the other forms like YouTube or podcasts. They are only seen maybe two seconds, if at all, <laughs> and then... Right. Uh, people decide whether they read the full posts uh, and maybe only 2% then read the full posts or um, and on Twitter you only reach a very small percentage of people because there are so many messages in the stream and on LinkedIn it's a little bit less uh, so you have a better chance to actually reach people in your following so for each of the platforms you really have to think uh, how to reach the the people you want to reach. Um, and with our podcast, we want to reach IP professionals. That means not beginners, not uh, novices, but mostly people who are experienced, uh, patent or trademark litigators or prosecutors. 
And yeah, we have to think about where we can reach them in which situation. And is um, yeah, we, we just try to talk about the podcast on all different kinds of channels, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and try all channels. But I actually don't know where most people find us. I think uh, when I look at the statistics, um, most people actually listen to the podcast because they subscribe to the podcast and then they download the podcast because they are subscribed. And funnily enough, um, some people, um, a lot of people listen to the podcast on our website, not on the iPhone or maybe not, not on a podcast player or something, but they open the website and then press play. So that's something that I found very interesting. Which is ipfridays.com. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. So it's 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 so funny that you, you um, I, I just learned a lot just from this conversation here. Um, I want to see if we can delve into it a little bit. I mean, it is difficult, isn't it? Um, or let's just say a challenge in order to get that very specialized audience of of professionals, let's say. Yes. And you're also dealing with people that are really, really busy. Right. I mean, we, as, right. <laughs> you know, as lawyers, we work very long hours. That's right. So now you're trying to say, okay, is this going to be impactful enough for them to, first of all, how do they find you? That's always what worries people the most, right? That's the thing that just like, oh, you know, if, if we build it, will they come? You know, same thing I'm facing with my new podcast here, which is if I build it, will anybody ever watch it? Mm-hmm. But it's, we will spread the word. We oh, will. thank you. You guys are the best. You guys have already done it. You know, so <laughs> you know you've done it, you've made it, and then you you've you've achieved great success, which is tremendous because a lot of times people have just kind of a one-off success, but to maintain it over several years and then develop that that founding and that reputation. That's yeah. that's actually one of one of my questions for you. And go ahead. You know, you 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 made me think about it. So so can you? Answer well, that? I think you ra- you raised a good point. I mean, having that consistency, and we have that. Although we've also had a few times where we were sort of um, off the air for a little bit, uh, um, but we we generally like to keep that schedule one per month, the last Friday of every month. And we, we are uh, diligent in, in getting it done. And we, we try to, um, you know, do it because we like to do it. We're not being paid extra to do this. We do it because it's a labor of love. And we enjoy talking to people and learning new things and sharing those new things with everyone. And that's very important. You know, we did have a few parties uh, at, some, uh, <laughs> at the interannual meeting. Uh, and that many people came to it. We were we were uh, excited to see uh, how many fans really enjoy it. Um, and where did you have your parties? Um, Ralph, what were the two locations that we had? I, I don't know the locations I, anymore. But we I, just yeah, I think one was in San Diego. One was in San Diego. Yeah. One was in San Diego where we rented, a, I think it was a Greek restaurant close to the yes. convention center. That's right. And wow. people could walk there and then we... Yeah, yes. hosted a small party, small IP we, Fridays event. <laughs> and it was great. We had a banner we put up and we had some small hors d'oeuvres and, and people came, which to me showed that people really like it. They enjoy it. They were interested in it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to meet us. And and that was very, um, very important. You know, one thing I just want to add about your podcast in particular, because like you said, it is a very specialized focus audience, is that 
my feeling about your podcast, at least this was my experience, is that once you learn about it, it's, it's hard to learn about it. But when you learn about it, you really you want to subscribe and just keep listening to, to it, you know. So mm-hmm. in um, in industry, you might call that, you know, having a good a successful product, because by word of mouth, people eventually hear about having a good product. Good and point. so if you got it, because a lot of times, you know, you might have some social media or podcasts, et cetera, where it might be good for one particular thing for one person. But here you've got an audience of professionals in the IP field. And I generally, honestly, I look at your episodes and there is not one that I'm not excited to listen to as a, and I, you know, somebody who, who works very deeply in the field. So I think if, if that's what you think is one of the factors that helps you. Yeah, I think word of mouth is very important. Not only that, but we've had guests who recommend other guests, and that's happened a lot. Wow. Um, I have numerous, uh, numerous guests who said, you know, you'd, you, you would benefit by talking to so-and-so, and we reach out to them, or they reach out to us, and it, it just continues to grow. It's like a network, essentially. Your network keeps growing and growing as you interview more people. You know, as you do things in the world, you meet more people online, same sort of thing. Uh, I think it's very important when guests can recommend other people to you because it's and, sort and of a built-in system. And Cameron, if you know people who we should uh, interview, then let us know, right? <laughs> yes, I'm right. Oh, yeah, you, certainly. And I wasn't thinking about it until you can just mention it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But I have heard people say that, that, you know, sometimes the best source for your next guest could be your existing guests, because then they, you know, they're thinking about you, you've had a, uh, you know, you built a relationship with them. And yeah. since they worked out well, probably their friends and others in that industry will work quite well for you too. So I will yeah, say and, the same and to also, you. <laughs> and, 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 and one thing maybe uh, to you, Cameron, or also for, for the strategy for your podcast, uh, it doesn't have to be it, it doesn't have to be people that you know personally, um, but just people you would like to hear about, like like to you would like to hear their story on certain topics, uh, and then we can reach out to them and say, tell them, well, we had already federal judge so and so on the show, and inter president so and so, and some really important people. Do you want to join them to be also guest on the show? And that's can, right. Uh, we, we always uh, seem to get people interested to be on the show if we ask. So even if you don't have a personal relationship uh, with these uh, potential guests, uh, let us know if you want to hear from them. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt to ask. Thank you. I, I would, I, I, you know, I would love that very much. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying it doesn't hurt to ask. If there's someone that you want to have on your show, you reach out to yeah. them one way or That's another. Awesome. And worst yeah. case, says, they say, no, I'm not interested. But you may get some, or they may say, you know, I can't do it, but someone else can. And then that's another door opened. Right. Better nothing gained, as they say. For you example, know, the, the mm-hmm. boss of the UK IPO, the UK uh, Intellectual Property Office, uh, mm-hmm. we had him on the show uh, just a couple of shows earlier. Uh, we both didn't know him personally, and people just told me, well, it would be really interesting to get him on the show because of Brexit and these kinds of things. Yes, yes, of course. So I just asked, and he said yes. So, <laughs> but, You know, that's tremendous what you say, Ralph. Um, the other thing I would uh, mention is, you know, you developed a reputation with, with yours, but for, for a new podcast, it may be more challenging, right? I'm actually... Right. 
In, in my own um, reach out here, I can tell you, I've been incredibly pleasantly surprised. You know, I've had people that really successful like you guys and, and others that they're willing to do a new podcast. It's just, it's really, it's really, you know, kind of interesting for me because I, I hadn't done it before. And um, I didn't realize people were just, could be so generous with their time and everything, you know? It, has that been, was that your experience at all? I mean, I know you guys have a podcast that's, you know, already kind of, you know, made it to big time, but I, I was wondering if, if you had any of those kinds of pleasant experiences as well. Yeah, I, I certainly. I mean, also the very first interviews, we had really cool guests. Uh, I just asked and, well, maybe I had to ask more people. I asked maybe like 20 people and Ken asked 20 people and then maybe five people agreed. So, but these were all really nice guests. I mean, uh, really famous people we had on the show in the first shows. That was really a very pleasant surprise. And people reach out to us all the time, Cameron. They're interested. They want to be on the program. Now, sometimes we get situations where people want to plug their products and that type of thing. And Ralph and I are very careful about that. We want to talk about issues. We want to talk about developments. Our, our platform is not to sell product. But if a particular company, you know, sells, sells a product, but at the same time, they want to talk about certain issues, we'll look at that you know, at, uh, at the same time. Um, you know, that's something to be very thoughtful of, you know, what's the line between having something that your audience really wants to hear versus just pure advertising. Right. And uh, I'll mention one time on CNN, they had Ron Popeil. I don't know if you remember this gentleman. Oh, yes. <laughs> he, yes was, he was a big, he basically created infomercials. Ralph, I don't know if you see as much of it in, the, in Europe no, as you do in the U.S., but he totally basically no. created infomercials, you know. A lot of back <laughs> Yes. And um, he, the entire time that he was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper on CNN, there was a, behind him, there was one of his products. It was, I think it was some kind of a cooker, you know, like an oven. And the whole thing was working the entire time he was on the interview. It was just, so, and I, I spoke with someone, I know it's, first of all, I know that Anderson Cooper didn't like it, but I, I have a friend who works at CNN um, who said they thought, Okay, that's totally fine. You know, they were advertising their product. They could. I'm not sure I would like that very much. <laughs> Someone be holding the whole thing because it's kind of a distraction. You mm -hmm. know, have you had? So, what are your experiences with that? Now that you mention it again. <laughs> um, well, if I think Rolf has talked to some service providers and that type of thing, and ah. you know, we we allow, we allow people to talk about obviously what they do, but we get more into issues, um, the particular issues that they're facing or issues in the law, issues in IP law and how their product helps to solve a problem or, you know, uh, help can help IP practitioners as a general matter. Yeah. So, I try to, uh, I try to tell them upfront and clearly that this is not, uh, an advertising podcast and, uh, that we should talk about like general issues people have and then maybe like in the last five minutes they can pluck their product or you know talk about their product and how it helps people or maybe sometimes the last 10 minutes or whatever but um, we try to focus on the on the problem as Ken said like the problem people are facing and how to tackle these problems and then maybe in the end they can say that they have something to help. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's great. You know, it's um, one thing I did want to mention to you is um, my experience, because I guess this is an entrepreneurial podcast. 
when I ask the question of people, you know, what are some of the factors that helped in your success? It always almost comes up that they connected with another person that they've known and they did this together. And it definitely seems like it's a journey that you've walked to, uh, through together. And I, I really right. wonder, um, would do you think you would have done it um, on your own without the other, or did you were did you feel that you needed another person in order to validate it and make it happen? I, I well, can answer, I can answer on that one. I know I was interested in podcasting, but. It, if it wasn't for Rolf, I probably wouldn't be in it because he was the really the person who came to me. He had the idea. He said, would you like to do this? And it tapped the various skills and interests that I have. Mm. And, and I said, sure, but I don't think I would do it all by myself. I think it's great to do it with someone. And I think for myself, I, I think I wouldn't have done it like since 2014 continuously for six years now. <laughs> Um, because, uh, yeah, I think I needed Ken to always kick me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, we no. need to, <laughs> yeah, hold you on. Gotta, you have to it. have a rhythm and stay on top yes, of things. Yes, you know? because uh, you always need someone else to, you know, to talk about it and to to keep oneself going, to keep, to keep myself motivated. For example, the other podcast, uh, Mark and Pod, I stopped after a while because, yeah, I didn't see, I didn't have a real interest myself or anymore because to myself, it got a little bit boring, but yeah, with IP Fridays, we always have very interesting guests and yes. at the moment, a, uh, we, after some time, first we did it every week. So that was a little bit too much for me, at least. Um, and now we try once a month, uh, and yeah, let's see. <laughs> we do it once but, a month and, and Rolf yeah. does usually half of them. I do half of them. And it's, it's made yeah. for a great way to balance the load because it takes a lot of work. You know, you've got to come up with your script. You have to find the guests. You have to do the interviewing, the editing. And then Rolf does a lot of the technical work, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> you know, getting the things yeah. out onto the various IP uh, podcasting platforms. And uh, it's really, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it all. Is that everyone has a certain task or things that they do and these things come together to make it work on a regular basis. I think one could do it all by themselves, right? I mean, here you are, Cameron, yourself. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> I no think help. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's great to have someone you can work with. And I think, you know, both Ralph and I knew each other going mm -hmm. into it. We worked mm -hmm. together on client matters. So we knew each other. And then that was the foundation for, for moving forward and learning together. Um, I really didn't know anything about the microphones, you know, that you needed or the software. Rolf was the one who told me how to do things. And I learned through doing that's, I yeah, think, a very Ken important found, thing. Uh, and yeah. Ken found a lot of really cool guests, for example. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm like able yourself, to find a lot of guests, Cameron. right? It's, it's, it's just the way it is. I enjoy meeting people. Right. That's another thing I enjoy about podcasting is that you can meet, yeah. talk to a lot of people around the world from the comfort of your office or your home office, like where I am right now. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's again, a great thing to do. And I think a lot of people are happy to talk about what they do. Everyone has a story. I remember someone once told me, and since everyone has a story, this is a great medium to tell that story. Um, and it really doesn't cost too much either. I mean, Rolf, we take care of the server fees and that type of thing, but it's not like, yeah. 
it's incredible amounts of money. Oh. It's not like a transmitter you need to operate and maintain, you know, and, bear, and licensing fees and that type of thing. It's just different. Yeah. I think our costs are like 15 bucks a month or something. Oh, my totally. goodness. <laughs> and you're not advertising, which is, I mean, that's, it's no. amazing to me. No, uh, it's amazing because uh, from my own experience and also reaching out to a lot of other entrepreneurs, it's, you know, just having a budget. I generally ask what are the different venues where you advertise, what's successful, what's not. And to talk to you two gentlemen about, about a very successful entrepreneurial podcast and hits exactly the right audience that you want and it's expanding at the perfect rate. Um, and to say that you're not advertising is just amazing to me. And it just... But I, I really see the, you know, how you guys complement each other is tremendous. I do want to give a quick shout out to my wife, because even though she's not on, she helps me a lot, you know, especially oh, I'm motivating sure. me to do this. Um, and she's just so smart in all those ways and everything. So she's not on camera, but she's supporting me as That's well as I'm, I'm thankful for folks at my firm. But um, but I, I just I, I do want to just sort of get into this this dynamic of, of you two gentlemen, how you work together. Uh, one thing I, I will tell you I notice is it sounds to me like, um, Rolf, it sounds like you like to reach out more. You're kind of more of the venture type. You know, you try something new, but sometimes you need the manager type like Ken to keep things going. And that's how successful companies always work. It seems like Ken's got that, you know, we're going to keep doing it, you know, which is yes, really, really important. Point. But you also yeah. need the person is kind of reaching out that way. It sounds, I mean, I know there are elements to both of your personalities as far as manager, management and entrepreneurism, but I definitely see how you, you two complement each other. Because like you said yourself, Ralph, if, you know, when you had the first podcast, it, it didn't go as long, you know, you didn't have somebody like Ken standing there going, we're going to keep doing it, right? Yes. <laughs> And I knew the, you know, the value of it. It's not like, you know, I'm going to do a few podcasts. And I'm going to have 10 clients calling me. This takes time. It takes a sort of a labor of love, as people say, right? You have to be able to have your interests in there. And just if you like doing something, continue to do it. And I believe that that will show over time. A lot of people say, oh, that must take a lot of time and energy. What, why are you doing all that? What's the ROI? But, you know, at the same time, I do it because I enjoy doing it. I love to do it. I like podcasting a lot and I love to meet people and talk to people and learn about new things. And I think it's a great way to do it. Um, but there are clients that though, or potential clients that listen to the podcast that say, you know what, I want to reach out to Rolf. I want to reach out to Cameron or reach out to myself. And I think it's great. It's another way to find people, right? Um, and the internet is certainly creating many opportunities for people these days. Well, Ralph, that's about the third time I heard Ken talk about how much he loves doing it, which is really cool. And uh, is that the same experience that you have? Because entrepreneurs are really like this. They, um, it's a labor of love for them. And then they, it hits, you know, yeah. because you, you got to keep, keep doing it and doing it, you know, for the success. Obviously, um, there's a, you know, sometimes you may want to stop doing it if, you know, you're not enjoying, you know, your activity especially when it's added on to all the other work that you do. Do you feel the same way, Ralph? That it's a oh, I, love I love the podcast. Uh, I really enjoy the podcast with Ken. Um, I currently have a little bit uh, 
difficult situation on my private side so i'm my i'm a little bit time challenged let's say uh-huh. <laughs> um but uh, i really love the podcast and i don't do it for the money as well so i think neither of us really had the equivalent of the time that we spend for the podcasts in in billable hours let's say <laughs> um to go out in in invoices or something um we had once in a while we have a client uh, listening to the podcasting but uh, not really an equivalent of the time we spend to to do the podcast over time so i think it's not for the for for really getting clients or something just because we really love uh, the podcast and and it's also very cool to meet all these interview guests and talk about really cool topics uh, and different topics every month and yeah that's that's what i'm really enjoying and we're never at a loss for material there's so much going on worldwide from decisions to procedures and now with covid all the various um you know uh issues that patent and trademark offices are facing and right um you know domain name issues and for me drone law is definitely a growing area and and, and certainly lots of things to to follow and and to talk about can i have a i have a quick question for you since you you do have the background in the journalism um and I, I would call it, you know, public speaking. Have you, yes. I noticed in speaking with both of you gentlemen that a lot of, and I, by the way, I noticed this in some of the initial podcasts I do, hopefully I'm better about it, but I was saying, um, every other word. <laughs> I noticed I was moving around a lot. I was, mm-hmm. I noticed that you, both of you speak very naturally and fluently like you're on a medium. Have you, do you feel that that has improved? And do you think that that has helped you in in terms of your abilities as a lawyer to communicate with your clients well i would say that you know hosting co-hosting a podcast definitely uh requires you to be a great communicator i've always liked to talk i've always liked to communicate and when i was in college obviously i was on the radio and i definitely think doing this type of thing it allows you to hone those skills um for sure. And that's something that um, I think it's important for everyone to, to, to do. Uh, but this medium does uh, require you to um, have that mastery of, of language and communication and listening. Listening is so important these days. Many people just like to talk, talk, talk. But I think it's also important to listen. You know, it's would, you say, would you say science. listening is one of the most important uh, uh, aspects of being a lawyer? Um, because I think, I think yes. many people think that it's about talking, but really listening is more important. Listening is very important to be able to, to learn new things, to pick up on things and to figure out what you're going to say next, you know, and, and to formulate strategy and, to, and, and how you're going to approach things. Because you learn a lot by listening. You know, you really do. There's so many things that come at you. For example, in a podcast, there's information, there's new things that you're either going to act upon or not act upon. And I think that that's something that's important to, to consider. And no, for Ken, podcasts, I, I'm uh, sorry, for podcasts, yeah, for podcasts, it's, uh, I think um, it's imp- very important to, to be able to listen because if you have someone with a strong ego that is always talking <laughs> about himself, people get bored about the podcast. Yes. I think with time, but uh 
I think the secret of our podcast is that we uh, try to have 90% uh, time, uh, the, uh, 90% of the time for the guests uh, and for for his talking and only 10% for us. So yes. um, to get as much uh, valuable information out of the guest as possible with as little asking as possible <laughs> and to have uh, the guests uh, do the talking, basically. Uh, yes. I think that's very important for many podcasts. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're, you definitely, Ralph, def definitely sounds like you have your listeners in mind during your podcast. You're thinking, well, maybe they don't want to hear me or go on and on and they want to hear all these you know what the topic is for my guest and so do you do you find that um in terms of the questions and answers that you that you have with your guests do you just let it go whichever way it wants or do you prefer for them to have um some um, questions and answers in advance do you have a preference for that i can ask both of you gentlemen separately ralph do you want to go first Yeah, um, well, I have a very clear preference. <laughs> uh, I always have questions first um, because I don't want to to bring the guests in a situation where they are uncomfortable, but I also want to ask very direct and very clear and maybe sometimes difficult questions that yes. they might not be, be prepared to answer spontaneously. Maybe they want to first think about it, especially, for example, when I asked the boss of the UK IPO about Brexit, like what I can tell patent owners or trademark owners, then then maybe he wants to ask uh, to think about the questions beforehand. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, that's my clear preference. I always send them questions first and sometimes I ask spontaneous questions or Uh, wherever the discussion goes and then I can always I always tell them that I can always cut out the questions that they that they don't want to answer that or they were uncomfortable answering then I can edit that out so I I want to make the guests as comfortable as possible um, and give them the opportunity to also after the interview tell me okay please cut out this section or this section because I I'm not really comfortable sharing that information or yeah, something like that. I hear you. And Cameron, I, I'm very much similar to Rolf in that we prepare a, a general list of questions. I invite the guests to actually send me some of the topics or proposed questions to consider. And then as the uh, podcast uh, is recorded, I listen to the various responses and do follow up questions or come up with new questions. And I think that that's important to do because it shouldn't just be a question, answer, question, answer, like a, like a deposition, for example. Right. You know, the, this is what we, these are the general topics, but then we can expand upon anything. And that's the beauty of it also is that, you know, we can, the, it's a dialogue, a dialogue that develops, and then you can kind of go with it as the communication goes on, as the, as the podcast goes on. Do, so, do, you, do you have any, uh, let me put it to you this way. Are some guests more challenging for you than others? 
What would you say is an easy guest versus a really hard guest? <laughs> well, a guest that likes to talk, for example, that wants mm-hmm. to engage and, and, and talk about their story is the easy guest. The guest who wants to just maybe in response to certain questions, they've prepared a script, let's say, right. and they just want to read from it. It makes it a little tougher. It makes it stilted and you want it to be, you know, a conversation. So then you have to kind of like veer off that track a little bit. Some people are able to do that more than others, but usually people, I find that as their relaxation level increases, they're able to talk more freely. In the beginning, they may be nervous and that type of thing, but as the podcast goes on, they relax more. And as they relax more, they can talk easier um, and the conversation flows. But I think the first few minutes, everyone's kind of warming up, let us say, you know, you'll see that in a lot of circumstances too. Ralph, what's what's your feeling about that? Yes, uh, I agree with Ken. And in addition, let's say, <laughs> some <laughs> guests, because they later on uh, give me a lot of uh, like um, sections in the podcast where I should edit uh, or where I should edit out information. There was one extreme case. I think I recorded like 45 minutes or nearly nearly an hour. And... I was left with 20 minutes of material after editing um, and it took about three weeks or so uh, until the guest was happy with uh, the result. So that was a very extreme case. So I didn't invite him back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a really hard guest. <laughs> Talk about micromanaging, you know, your yeah. <laughs> And Cameron, when we first started, we used to prepare transcripts of each of our podcasts, which was Did a you? lot of work. But we just decided after a while just to just to have the podcast out there. But I must say that if one can do a, a transcript, it's helpful too to, for for cataloging and for information that you post on the web. So maybe we'll go back to that in the future. I'm not sure. It does sound like a lot of work, especially if you have to do this huge amount of editing and I guess make yes. me happy. Yes. So I'm not going to ask you who this guest was, Rolf, but um, no. was it someone who's political? <laughs> No, not at all. No, 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 no political issues. Just uh, he didn't like how he said this. And then he didn't I like how he said that. And then I told him I can't re-record it. So <laughs> he has to take this recording. And then I had to edit out a lot of things. But yeah, one time. <laughs> Most right. guests are really uncomplicated. Some guests I don't have to edit anything or at least maybe in 50% of the cases, I don't have to edit out anything. <laughs> what I also want to add, Cameron, is um, all of our all of our episodes, all 112, are all online all the time. And we we can go back and listen to them, you know, from our phones, from our laptops. You could be anywhere in the world and listen to it. And I love that. I think it's great uh, to be able to have that catalog at your fingertips right. at any time. It's tremendous. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I know we're getting down to it, but I, I, I'm sorry. I have a million questions for you guys because I'm really <laughs> genuinely curious. What, what, do you, what is the, uh, the most challenging thing about, um, that, that you've experienced in doing the podcast? Challenging. Well, sometimes maybe if, if we don't have a certain number of guests lined up, figuring out who are we going to interview next and trying to figure that out. We normally like to have things recorded as they say in the can, you know, people, ah. you have these things already pre uh, ready and, and completed, but you 
you know, if we get to a certain, a certain period of time in the calendar and nothing's ready yet, figuring out, okay, who are we, who are we going to get? How are we going to do it? Get it done on time and that type of thing. So, but we try to work together so that we don't run into that type of circumstance. Yeah. And are you always running uh, different names on that topic? Are you sort of running different people by each other saying, you know, what about this we, person, that person? We do talk together about guests. And then we also just on our own are contacted. And sometimes we, I just send content over to Rolf and say, this is what I've got. And then he runs with it, you know. <laughs> Rolf, you know? I'll ask the same question of you. What is, what's the most challenging? I realize, and it sounds like you're doing the editing and all those kinds of functions on, on your end. I'm just wondering, what, what is your response to that? Yeah, I think uh, finding the time uh, to, to, um, to edit, uh, but also to uh, find guests, to do the interviews, uh, to schedule the interviews, to first talk to the people on the phone and maybe getting to know them. And so they relax a little bit before we really record the interview. And so it takes a lot of time. And uh, as you know, you are an IP lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> IP lawyers don't have time usually. <laughs> and I have three kids at home. Yes. So uh, yeah, I have two kids. At the time. Right. So, so we and all have kids our over private here. life. <laughs> right. So, so, and I also uh, do volunteering for various organizations and right. we all, always have to split our times between these and uh, i think that's the biggest challenge to uh, to find the time but uh, it always pays off because i really enjoy doing the podcast <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah well it's a great thing to do all right so um maybe one last question what's your favorite thing about doing the podcast you know i i've heard you say ken many yeah. times you might have already answered this a labor of love yeah. But I'm just going to go ahead and ask you. I just would say it's the people, meeting new people, people right. who I would never have met but for the podcast. Right. And having that, having that access, access to people, for me, it's, it's great. I, I love it for that reason. I would never have had the chance to, to, uh, to interview a federal judge of the German federal court or, yes. or the boss of the UK IPO or the INTA president or, you know, I wouldn't have the chance. So it's really cool <laughs> to have the chance to meet these people and interview these people. <laughs> Tremendous. Well said by both of you. So I, I just want to um, quickly give you an opportunity to talk about how people can, first of all, get a hold of the IP Fridays podcast and also how to contact you and, and your law firm information, any of that information. So let's start with, with Ken. So uh, for me, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Kenneth, last name Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N. All my information is there. Or you can send me an email at K-S-U-Z-A-N at btlaw.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, and uh, Ralph, why don't you explain how people can get in contact with the right. podcast and yourself? Yeah, with the podcast, you can find the podcast, as Cameron already said, at www.ipfridays.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on most social media networks like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook um, as Rolf, R-O-L-F. And then Claesen is spelled C-L-A-E-S-S, -S, like in Sam, E-N. Or you can reach me via email at rc at freisham.eu, which is spelled F-R-E-I-S-C-H-E-M dot E-U. 
Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Um, it's been a great pleasure for me. And I think I've learned a lot about uh, podcasting. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> I've a lot of other things. Thank you for the opportunity, Cameron. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having us on our show. Thank you so much. My pleasure.